gave me, I would be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Pulling together a thought from these verses of scripture, I want to talk about the oneness and unity for which Christ prays. The oneness and unity for which Christ prays. I'm sincerely humbled to tell you, grateful to be invited to stand before you tonight. And I pray that we all will somehow be made wiser, stronger, and more effective servants unto the Lord from our sharing these days. I offer respect and recognition to my dear friend across now these many years, Pastor Rick Randall, for this opportunity. I thank God for my co-laborers, Pastor Dr. Darrell Horton, Mount Zion Church. We work there in the association together, thank God for him, and of course, thank God for all of you. It is weighing upon my heart to address the matter of racial strife and racial division, which is in this world, in this nation, and sadly, which is in the Lord's church. A little bit of my story. In the fall of 1964, the Lord used me as a high school sophomore, 15 years old, used me to begin the integration of Round Rock Independent School District in Round Rock where I grew up. That fall, I became the first and only African American student to enroll and successfully attend Round Rock High School, which before my enrollment had never been such a case. For two years, I was the lone African-American student until finally in my senior year, the formerly all-black school known as Hopewell was closed and all of those students were brought in under one system. And I confess to you, I still begrudge the fact that this beginning of integration 
in Round Rock was begun in the schools and not in the Christian churches. In this matter of breaking down walls of separation and division among races and ethnic groups, I believe the Christian churches ought to be leading, yeah. ought to be in the forefront and not following behind other institutions. I tell you, it was a horrible and sad and tragic fact that was bewailed by the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that the most segregated hour in America was the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings. I cannot believe that our Christ is pleased with these walls of separation and this perpetual division. Brothers, there's but one Savior for all of us. Paul raised the question with the Corinthians, is Christ divided? The assumed answer would be an emphatic no. And I borrow heavily in this message this evening from a book which was published in the 1990s by Moody Press. It was entitled Breaking Down Walls. It was co-authored by Raleigh Washington and Glenn Karen. Happened to be a black man and a white man. Came together to work in ministry together in the 90s with intentionally seeking to bring people together in the name of Christ. Washington and Karen argue that racial reconciliation ought to be high among our priorities as believers. Yes. Good. It ought to be such because Christ made it a priority. I see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Paul writes, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, through the cross, excuse me, thereby putting to death the enmity. It ought to be a priority because the Apostle Paul made it a priority. Colossians 3 and 11, Paul wrote, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, 
Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And then thirdly, our theology, the foundation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Historically, the record reflects through its neglect in not confronting the problem the white segment of the church has allowed itself to unwittingly become a co-conspirator with the enemy. Scripture has been used. The church has been used. Tradition has been used. Social convention has been used to support every form of prejudice and oppression of ethnic minorities. Consider, if you will, with me, these actions are inactions and these poor theologies that have been used in the American Christian church. There's a false interpretation of what has been called the curse of Ham. Genesis chapter 9, verse 25. It's been used for centuries to justify the white race subjugating the black race. But if you go and read it carefully, you'll discover that Ham was not cursed. Though he was guilty of a misdeed, read it carefully and discover the curse was on his son, Canaan. Canaan was cursed. And the black race does not run through Canaan, but through Cush. And so it's a false narrative to become a part of trying to justify ill treatment of a certain people because they've been cursed by God. Historically, there's been the tacit approval of the Southern Church, even of Klan activities, and that's been well documented. The American Church, for the most part, accepted the World War II imprisonment, the denial of civil rights and unlawful confiscation of property of Japanese Americans because of their ancestry. Most Asian Americans were feared, feared as traitors, while European Americans were honored as patriots. In recent times, homogeneous church growth principles have been espousing the false maximum 
that people feel more comfortable with people like themselves. That's been used to justify continuing the separation of believers on the basis of race and class. Sadly, churches have eagerly sent thousands of missionaries to dark-skinned peoples in distant lands while ignoring the plight of the inner-city immigrants within American borders and at their doorstep. Inner-city mission programs have too often embodied a condescending white Boana slash ignorant blacks attitude. Even tonight, history of the church, clapping of hands and syncopation and other emotional musical forms, qualities typical of black music, have by some been characterized as of the devil and world. A commentator named John G. Butler, his commentary sometimes I've used, but was hurt to read that he described black worship songs as jungle music. When integration has, quote, worked, it often means that a few blacks have assimilated white culture, a denial of black cultural strength. Anybody remember Bob Jones University? Interracial dating and marriage, even between born again believers, was discouraged, was shunned, was forbidden, and even punished, even on Christian campuses, it was feared. Satan has used race to divide believers and make a mockery of our faith. And we as Christians have not stood against it. We believe the body of Christ holds the key that can unlock the stranglehold of racism in our society. Sadly, it will never happen. As long as we place political power over the practice of true Christian faith. In our text scripture verses tonight, Jesus is praying to the Father on the evening before Calvary. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer He prayed. And He's praying not only for those contemporary disciples of that day which were around Him, but He's praying for all disciples, those that would come to believe in Jesus through the ministry of the Word of God through the ministry of those disciples as they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's praying even for us. And as I read it, 
I hope you heard it again and again. Jesus prays for Christians to be one. To be one and to be unified. After the model of the unity of the Father and the Son. Let's not get it wrong. He does not pray for sameness. He does not pray for uniformity. Our God is the creator of diversity. But there still can be unity with diversity. The Bible teaches that there is this confirming witness in our physical bodies to the truth that our bodies are made up of many members, different and diverse, but still one body. We are brothers. We are brothers and sisters. I am your brother. And you are my brothers and my sisters. Three folks focus my sharing tonight. Number one, we are brothers and sisters in creation. Acts 17, 26, and he made from one every nation. Another translation said one blood. Every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. God has made and God has created all this world's human populations from one man. From one blood. We are brothers. We are brothers and sisters. Listen, we don't believe that there's some secret and mysterious and unwritten truth of some separate creation event. We do not believe that there was some ranked and graded creation. Some superior, others inferior, some fully human, and some lesser human. We're all descendants from the one Adam and the one Eve. We are brothers and sisters because we all come from one source. We do not hold any notion that God created some lesser beings or some inferior beings. Yes. Every false notion of inferior races that has been put forth has been legitimately debunked. Historically, there were some with strong reputations who fostered such malicious ideas, but all such has been proven to be false and in error. I'm old enough to remember the graduation. The graduation of responsibilities. Because there was a time generally it was considered that a black football player could play all of the physical positions but could never play quarterback. It required too much brain power. And so we've noted in history the record being broken time 
time and time again. It's been fought in this country. Well, maybe can play quarterback, but could never be a coach. We've seen those things overcome. Recently, Elon Musk have put out the idea that black pilots are inferior. And perhaps there is a necessary reluctance to get on a plane with a black pilot. Oh, how strange. Such ideas are still running in this country. Certainly those who wanted to justify minorities as deserving of lesser rights and privileges use such propaganda, I believe, to soothe their own consciences of their inhumane and inhumanity toward the oppressed and the marginalized. Some were made comfortable believing that their attitudes were ordained of God. Some were made comfortable believing in their attitudes that the minorities were actually deserving of such treatment. But this Bible teaches our common humanity. We are all derived from the first human beings who were themselves made in the image and after the likeness of God. We are brothers. And we are brothers and sisters in creation. And secondly, those of us in this room, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, our connected relationship is because we who are in Christ are spiritually born of the same spiritual cooperation of when God's Word and the Holy Spirit came together in our lives. We're born from the same spiritual womb of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the same common spiritual experience that each of us, we were drawn by the same Holy Spirit to draw near to God. I tell you, in Christ, the walls that were raised to divide and keep separate are being broken down. You see, historically, the Jews in the Bible, they misunderstood their selection as God's chosen people. They did not understand that God wanted to reach the whole world and to reach all peoples through them. The Jews began to think more highly of themselves than what was the purpose of the Father. In the Bible, they began to look down on the Samaritans and justify their attitude toward those people for their history. They began to think within themselves, only Jews, traceable in their bloodline to Abraham, would be in God's glory. They failed to understand the plain teachings of God's word, God's word, that his purpose was always to reach 
All nations. Satan. Lucifer. The devil. And his demons. Will gladly persuade whom he can. That they are a favored people. Among all other people. But thirdly. As I come to my close. We are brothers. We are sisters. In creation. We are brothers and we are sisters. In Christ. But thirdly. I would that we would all be brothers and sisters. In our commitment. Or. If we would become committed. To racial reconciliation. I believe many ills will be cured if Christians of all stripes became committed to the goal of God to save all peoples. The racial situation in our nation today crying out for Christians to pick up our cross. Cries for Christians to step out of our comfort zones and build relationships across cultural barriers. Beginning with at least one person, one family, one church, doesn't matter whether it's African American, Asian, Hispanic, or white. No, we cannot be everything to everybody, but we will be surprised how even one relationship that stretches us beyond our natural tendencies will help give us the groundwork for relating to others in the body of Christ who are different from ourselves. I'm again borrowing from the book Breaking Down Walls. And in that book, they offer some biblical principles of racial reconciliation. And I close out sharing with you those biblical principles. Principle number one, commitment to relationship. Racial reconciliation is built upon the foundation of committed relationships like Ruth and Naomi. Principle number two, intentionality. It will not happen unless we make it happen. Intentionality is the purposeful, positive, and planned activity that facilitates reconciliation. Principle number three, sincerity. Sincerity is the willingness to be vulnerable, including the self-disclosure of our feelings, our attitudes, our differences, perceptions, with the goal of resolution and building trust. Principle number four, not just sincerity, but sensitivity. Sensitivity is the intentional acquisition of knowledge in order to relate empathetically to a person of a different race and culture. Mm -hmm. Principle number five, interdependence. Mm -hmm. Interdependence 
recognizes our differences, but realizes that we each offer something that the other person needs, resulting in equality in the relationship. Principle number six, sacrifice. I thought about that when Rich Carney was sharing this presentation. Principle number six is sacrifice. Sacrifice is the willingness to relinquish an established status or position to genuinely adopt a lesser position in order to facilitate a cross-cultural relationship. Principle number seven, empowerment. Empowerment is the use of repentance and forgiveness to create freedom in cross-cultural relationships. Principle number eight is the call. We're all called to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. But some are gifted with a special call to be racial reconcilers. Jesus said, as he was giving close to the final meal before Calvary, he said, by this, shall all men know you are my disciples if you have a love one to another. And I believe in this high priestly prayer in like manner, Jesus is declaring that oneness and unity is to be the aim of his disciples. And when we present oneness and unity, Jesus said the world will know that Christ That's right. was sent by God the Father. That's right. I'm through y'all, but I'm saddened that our record denies this truth, that we're brothers and sisters. And if it's going to change, it's got to be changed by us. If there's going to be oneness, if there's going to be unity, it must stop, start with those who are blood-washed and blood-bought in the Savior of Jesus Christ. There's just one Savior. And when he died on Friday, he didn't just die for any certain people. He died for all mankind. And I would that you know he didn't just die for the white race. He didn't just die for the black race. He didn't just die for the brown race. But he died for every man that would come to that cross and confess him as Savior and Lord. Yes, he died. And that paid the price. He died and that gave us cleansing blood. He died and the hymn writer said, sinners were plunged beneath that flood to lose all that guilty stain. But I was talking, yes, taken to the cross, let him hang on fire. But the victory is, that's not the end of the story. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He stayed in the tomb all night Friday night. Stayed there all day Saturday. Stayed there all Saturday night. But in our church, we don't stop until we say, but uh, 
Sunday morning, Jesus got up and declared victory. Our spiritual relationship. Don't just look at the color of my skin. Look at my heart. Don't just look at the color of my skin. Look at my spiritual life in Christ. And I say to myself, don't just look at them as different, but come to know that when the revelation is written, it'll say they're coming from every corner, every nation, every kindred, every nation, every blood. Coming into the kingdom. We are brothers and sisters. And this is what our Savior, Jesus Christ, prayed for in John 17. God bless you.